Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, curiously, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Achtung! Das Maschine is nicht for gefingerpocken und mittengraben. Ist easy schnappen der Springwerk blowen fusen und poppenkorken mit spitzen sparken. Ist nicht for gewerken bei das Dummkopfen. Das Robbenecken seit Sieren geben Hans in das Pockets. Relaxen und watch das blinken lights. I love dust blinking lights. Yeah. Shouldn't that be de blinking lights? Well, I'm sorry. That's the way it was written. I know. On what we are about to talk about. Um, we have a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Patch. Actually, it comes from several people, but Patch wrote the first one. Hi, I found your podcast a few days ago and really like it, and I was wondering if you could do one on the old BBSs. I'm building one myself. Thanks. Well, Patch, we're going to talk about BBSs. And indeed, that quote was not from a movie. It was not from a song. That was a text file that was uploaded to BBSs and made its way through various BBSs in the uh, in the 80s. 
Ah, uh, yes. So now, of course, that was fake German. Yes. It's not real German. Yeah, I, I, I remember Franglais and... Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know what you would call it. Dinglish. Dinglish. Because it would be Deutsch and English. <laughs> Deutschlish. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, and it's funny because uh, the old BBSs, what, whatever happened to those? They're still around. Not all of them. Some no, of them. That's true. But yeah, and uh, yeah, Patch is apparently trying to build an old BBS, but then it would be a new BBS. <laughs> right. So now what is a BBS? Uh, Let's you know, start that's with a that. good question. It stands for Bulletin Board System. Right. And it really is sort of the computer version of the old bulletin boards that you would see in dormitories or office buildings or even homes where people would just you know, put up a little note and uh, so for other people to see. Maybe they had something that they wanted to sell or they were looking to buy or just a a cute joke or something. You just want to pop it up there on the bulletin board. Same sort of thing, except in this case, it's all going to be located on a computer. Now, the important thing to remember is this is taking place. The, the era of the BBSs takes place before the public era of the internet. Right. So, uh, taking it down to bare bones, basically what you've got is a computer running a piece of software that will allow you to, Post and read messages. Yeah. That's that's the simplest form of what a BBS is. You have to add one more element. Yeah. It allows you it allows remote users well, to post and read messages. I, I was going to, to add that. I mean, without uh, without the modem attached to it and a phone line. Yeah, it would just be it's a note. Essentially, yeah, I mean it's a bulletin board for one person. Right. Which is kind of silly. But the BBS, uh, yeah, you had a, a computer that you could dial into. Right. So, and and the BBSs that I think of are sort of, if you will, hyper local. Yes. Mean, they didn't necessarily have to be, but you know, it would be, you know, Bob's computer over here. Remember Bob? We yeah. talked about Bob before. He's, He's very generous guy. with the, you know, uh, allowing us to use his. I've uh, been computer. told that I have to call him Robert now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Robert has this uh, computer, and he's got a modem mm-hmm. and a phone line that you can use, and uh, Robert posts messages about I don't know. Uh, role-playing games, okay. for example. That's a good one. And, uh, well, it's good because you have your community, the, the people he wants to play with. Right. You know, get together on Saturday night and spend a couple hours playing Dungeons & Dragons or... Uh, Paranoia. Know, uh, Blitz. Yeah. That's not a role-playing game, but, you know, you could get people around the War table to actually stuff. play. Yeah, sure. it's that, that kind of thing. You have a group of people who, enthusiasts who want to play these games with you, and you want to share uh, tactics or uh, messages about it or body jokes. Right. Dial up. Oh, we're not even there yet. Let's keep going. Anyway, so uh, that's the thing. He's got, Robert's got this computer with a modem. And so uh, Jeff and Steve want to uh, hook up. Well, uh, on on to the bulletin board. So they, Jeff calls in the number for the modem uh, on Robert's computer. So he dials in and he can see anything that uh, Steve or Robert have posted on there. And Jeff is reading messages, uh, wants to comment on something, you know, posts a comment on there and hangs up the modem. And then, you know, whomever else is in this group can dial up and see what's on the bulletin board and post messages. However, uh, generally speaking, I would, th- I think you'd probably agree with me. Generally speaking, we're talking one person at a time here. Yeah, especially the early BBSs were, they were limited to a single user at a time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, again, this is a precursor to the internet. So you don't have any internet that you can log into. Uh, this was kind of these, these 
regional networks, really not even a network, because you're talking nope. about just a com- one single machine that you could dial into. Mm-hmm. So it, I guess you could call it a network of two machines at any given time. Yeah, because you have the one that uh, is programmed to receive the call. Yeah, it's the host. Yeah, the host, which, uh, you know, the uh, client calls in and, and, and uh, logs in with a username and password. Um I'm assuming that uh, you would want to do that anyway, uh, despite the fact that most people aren't going to know how to do this, <laughs> let right. alone you know how to do this, let alone uh, that. But they're not going to necessarily know where the BBS is and what phone number to call to get there and right. have the equipment to do it. But you'd still, you know, have the the client log into the host and check and post most messages to it. Right, and in some cases, files. Yeah. Um- do you know when the very first bulletin board system launched, or who did it? No, I do. I don't. Okay, so uh, the, I, I ask you a question, and I drop a bomb on you, and you have no way of answering it. That's an awesome co-host, Jonathan. Um, I'm thinking it probably, now that I've actually <laughs> looked at my notes, would be in 1978. Yes, that's correct. Ward Christensen and Randy Seuss built the first bulletin board system. It was the computerized bulletin board system. They created it out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Wow, and, they they built they took down Chicago and built a bulletin board system. Well, I mean, if you're gonna replace Chicago with something, uh, anyway, the bulletin board system Seems like they, overkill. Well, you know, it's they're you they're could use a, a smaller city to build a BBS. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, well, they they try. Never mind. I can't make jokes about that city anymore. I was told not to. Uh, the so Chicago. Heck of a town. Uh, the, the, these guys, what they did was they built up the system. They, uh, designed a program, um, mm-hmm. using assembly language, actually, 8080 Ooh. assembly language. And they designed this program where it was, um, it would allow people to come in and post and read messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's essentially all it could do when it first launched. And it launched, it was built in 1978, but it launched in publicly in 1979. And, um, well, there was, they did announce what they had done in the, uh, in Byte magazine. Yes. In November 1978. Um, so they, you know, Byte was, uh, if you're not familiar with Byte, how would you describe Byte? I would say it's a, a computer enthusiast magazine, but it was really, um, for serious computer enthusiasts. These yeah. were people who were interested in programming and hacking in the classical like the, sense. These are the same people who would order, uh, computer building kits. Yeah, this and they is... would build their own personal computers. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. But it's not like, a, for example, a PC World. No, no, would be it where you're reading about more... software and things. These are people who would want to make their own software yeah. and build their own. It was it, it was, was an, written it evolved, by, but written by and for hackers is yeah, what you can say. Yeah, and we're talking about hackers in the sense of people who programmed, not necessarily people who are trying to break into security systems or create malware. Um, that's a that was something that. Hacker came to be known for um, later on, but originally hackers were programmers. Yeah. They were guys who were trying to, and women, trying to figure out how to make a computer program do a certain task. And um, they often weren't really worried about how pretty it looked at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So the the CBBS, which was the, the computer bulletin board system, mm-hmm. um, it launches it. And, and people, users think it's really cool, but it's, it's in Chicago. It's using, you have to dial in, right? So unless mm-hmm. you're local to Chicago, it's a long distance call. Yeah. So you can't, you know, you can't just call in and not, and not worry about charges. Uh, and it wasn't distributed. It was just that, you know, they, they talked about how they did it 
And some people read it and thought, hey, this is a great idea. And they attempted their own version. Yep. And uh, w- among those was a guy named Bill Blue. Bill Blue. He wrote A-B-B-S. I, really? Which one? I'm sorry. No, no. He wrote A-B-B-S. Abs. And it was a... It was kind of um, followed. It followed along with uh, the CBBS system, mm-hmm. but he built it so that anyone who had an Apple II and anyone who had the DC Hayes MM modem, ooh, very uh, specific, could uh, could run the um, the the program. So the CBBS one was particular to Chicago, but Bill's was one that if you got that code and you had an Apple computer and you had this modem, you could run this and create your own bulletin board system. And so people started to do that. And uh, back in the day, you know what um, the fastest uh, or what was considered a fast modem back then, right? About 300 baud? Yeah, 300 baud. If you don't know what baud is, that means that it could transmit 300 symbols in a second. Mm-hmm. That's not fast, people. No. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's you can't and you can't Easily translate baud to bits per second. It's not. It's not. It's a, not uh, analogous. Exactly. It's not analogous. But uh, uh, by the by the time of the well, actually, the I guess technically, literally, the standard is still the same. The fastest about the fastest you can go on a phone line in the United States is uh, fifty two thousand baud. Yeah. Right? Is it fifty two? Is it? Yeah, because okay. it was supposed to be 56, but there is a legal limitation. Gotcha. I was about uh, to say, I could have sworn it was 56, yeah, but 56 I think that's K. the technical specification, but yeah. it's not the actual speed. But yeah, when I started using uh, dial-up modems, the standard was 1,200 baud, and then shortly after that, uh, 2,400. But uh, back back uh, when they stopped being co- as common, uh, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, modems hit a practical limitation. There, there's a limit to the amount of bandwidth you can send over a phone line. Gotcha. Uh, because it's using audio uh, to do this rather than the uh, the bandwidth on the other side of the audio space in a phone line. So, um, yeah, due to practical limitations. But, yeah, 300 baud. That, can you imagine trying to transfer something like a, a YouTube video or a, a flash <laughs> animation at 300 baud? Yeah, you might not want to have anything scheduled for the next year it would take you a very long time the uh and and that kind of brings us to one of the reason one of the limitations or if you will one of the features of bbs's they were text based yes they had usually some sort of file structure system that you could navigate to, so that you could uh, read things that that are similar to today's message boards on internet mm-hmm. uh, sites websites um so you had the message boards where you could converse with other people who would visit this BBS. Again, not in real time but for the most part, because usually, uh, at least for the smaller BBSs, you're the only one on that system. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might be on at the same time as the system operator, that's the owner, uh, Sysop. Sysop. Mm-hmm. That's where Sysop comes from, if you've heard that term. It comes from uh, the, the old BBS days. Actually, a lot of the uh, acronyms and, and that we see online they have their origin back in the old BBSs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, you normally would be having asynchronous conversations, right? Yeah. You would post something, you would log off the BBS, you might check the next day and see that someone's replied to you. It wouldn't be this instant message uh, that that we've 
become used to on the internet. Right. And now some BBSs did eventually get to the point where they had multiple phone lines. So if yeah. you called one and got a busy signal, you could call the next phone line for the same BBS and connect to it, and they could actually have multiple users online at the same time. Yeah. But that that was not the case for your average BBS because you know if it was just some guy running it out of his. Um, you know, his, his den, mm-hmm. it may be that there's just one phone line that he could even dedicate to it. And of course, if, if he's not there at the time, there's always the chance that the BBS would crash. You would call, you couldn't connect, and, you know, you, you'd be stuck without that BBS until he came back home and fixed it. Mm-hmm. Or she. I shouldn't just say he. I mean, I always say he because I think that's probably the majority of the users, but oh, wasn't, sure. wasn't total all male. Uh, and on these BBSs, you could find things be- besides the message boards. You could find other things, like uh, you, you mentioned files. That was that was a little later, but not by much. Well, we talked about uh, shareware yeah, and how that, that model developed and yeah. how uh, games used to spread that way. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, that that's true. I mean, we're talking about, again, we're talking about physical limitations. And in the 1980s, we're not talking about, uh, you know, gigabyte. Hard drives or right. terabyte hard drives. You're talking about kilobyte hard drives. Yeah, if there were hard drives at all. Right. Um, so we're not talking about anything too particularly large. But yeah. people did, um, you know, share information and, and uh, pirate you know, software. Pirate software uh, to to a lesser extent. I think that probably. I think you're right. I think that was probably more along the lines of when these systems became more sophisticated. Um, but you know, the things that you do on for example, Usenet groups or IRC now, or even back in the earlier days of public uh, internet, um, you know, you, you didn't, you couldn't really do that because you just didn't have the the hardware to make that happen. Right. It was on a much smaller scale. Now they did have games. Sure. Um, there were a lot of games that you could play on a BBS. Many of them had specific limitations on how long you could play because. You don't want to have one user uh, dominate that phone line, right? Right. So most of the time, these BBSs would have a as a timer, and once you exceeded the limit on that timer, you would get disconnected, mm-hmm. and, and so someone else could call in. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, no, there were also uh, turn-based games, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, um, where you could you know log in, play your turn, and log back out and wait for somebody else to. Sure. Their move. I mean, chess was very popular on BBSs. Sure. Uh, but one of the games that was incredibly popular on BBSs, and yes, I did play this game, uh-huh. Legend of the Red Dragon, mm-hmm. which was often known as just Lord. It was L-O-R-D. Right. Um, it was uh, created by Seth Robinson, mm-hmm. and uh, it, was, uh, it was a game where you created a character that... Um, developed skills and and prowess and the goal was to defeat the red dragon that is uh, terrorizing this one town and the way the game worked was it would work in cycles the game would start and everybody would be on equal ground and all the people who are playing the game have the same goal they want to be the one to defeat the dragon Uh uh-huh when a player got to the point where he or she could defeat the dragon and the dragon's defeated new game I see. And everyone starts again at the bottom. Uh, it had other features in it where you could challenge other players to fight, but they were, um, they were usually, it was automated. Mm-hmm. So when you weren't online and someone else was playing, they could challenge your character to a duel and the computer would run your character as if, you know, you were doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also flirt with other characters and there were consequences to flirting. 
Yes. Uh, including things like you might be greeted with a child <laughs> within the game. Mm-hmm. I won't go into any more detail That's on that. That's all we need to know. Yeah. So anyway, it, it was actually kind of interesting. It had a little bit of a complex social structure to it. Um, and some of the other games were really cool, too, like the Trade Wars 20, uh, 2002 or 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good one. Baron Realms Elite was amazing. Really? Yeah. Baron Realms Elite was a multiplayer strategy game. And it you could have 25 people playing this game. And the way the game worked was it would pit BBSs against each other. Interesting. Each BBS would essentially be a planet. In a, in a galaxy of planets. Mm-hmm. And so you were trying to have your planet come out on top of all the other planets. I see. So it, it was this neat competition between BBSs. Um, and I'm sorry, go ahead. You were about no, to say go something. Ahead. I was going to say just that, that that was kind of interesting because you could, you know, BBS is not like the Internet. You know, you log no. into the Internet. The Internet is one gigantic network. Mm-hmm. You could visit as many BBSs as you liked uh, you were really only limited by your phone bill <laughs> and the amount of time you had at your disposal. Right. Because each BBS was its own distinct thing with its own community. And some of the communities had multiple, like had, some of the communities overlapped, right? You, mm-hmm. would, you would find the same people going to maybe three or four of the BBSs in their local area. Uh, but some of them would be more niche oriented and you would really just see a, a certain group of people just stay there. Like, especially the ones that were, sp- were, uh, centered around a very specific topic, like Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And, and yeah, I, there are a lot of the, the BBSs that I w- was familiar with had a specific slant to them. Like they were specifically geared toward a particular interest. Right. Um, I know, I know there were plenty of, uh, general topic. BBSs, but uh, it's it you know the ones that I was familiar with. Now I didn't. I admit I never uh, actually dialed into a BBS. I was um, just I didn't really become aware of it until after I had already started using the internet or actually yeah. Bitnet technically. Um, and you know I, I was vaguely aware of it, but I didn't have a modem, so I didn't really uh, there participate. About, there were about five or six that I used to log into mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, in in a lot of cases, I think this is. This is sort of what evolved uh, into the online service provider. Yeah, was you know the the gradual interest in people of logging into these systems, and they became more complex. Uh, when you had lots more people, then you have uh, companies looking to uh, develop something more robust, like a CompuServe or an America Online. Before yeah. you know, the internet became more of a public sphere when it was still dominated by government and academic interests. And you also had, at this point, the the technology for modems has evolved as well, yes. so that you could include things like some graphics in your in your system. Like as we said before, with uh, BBSs, it was mostly text based or symbol based stuff because the well, for multiple reasons. One, you have a limited amount of space on the computer that's hosting right. the BBS. Mm-hmm. But for another, it's just the limitation of how fast your modem can uh, can conduct data uh, through it. And it, at that speed, you just couldn't do graphics. Yeah, um, That didn't stop people from creating ASCII art. They started no. doing that. They would use ASCII symbols to create uh, uh, sketches, really. I and, love ASCII art. 
what was interesting is they kind of became a currency on yeah. BBSs. Mm-hmm. People would build a a design and they could trade it for other designs mm-hmm. or sometimes for other programs, things like that. It was kind of interesting that that became currency on BBSs. Or magic beans. Or magic beans. Uh, I wanted to read a little bit or, or refer a little bit to an interesting document I found at textfiles.com, which is a uh, yes. it's an archive of BBS text files. This is a text file called What Has Killed BBS Systems. What I find interesting about this is that it was written in 1982. Mm-hmm. 82. What has killed BBS systems? Keeping in mind, the first public BBS is 1979. Yes. It did not take long to kill the BBSs, according to this guy. Well, yes, but I, I have a theory on this, but go ahead and make your... So the points that he made was that he said that uh, the uploading and downloading programs was killing BBSs because people would just come in, get mm-hmm. whatever they wanted, and go, and they wouldn't they wouldn't participate in the community. Um, they said that there was a retaliation. It was getting very cliquish, and people were retaliating against uh, folks who were there just to communicate and, and to make friends and to uh, exchange information. Uh, he also blamed the proliferation of BBSs in a single area, any any given area. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I talked about: how you could be on several BBSs. You know, you would go from one to the other. He he was saying that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that in places where there were only a couple of BBSs, things were going great. Uh, he said that the loss of anonymity was a big problem, which is interesting because that's something that you hear on internet forums where people are. Uh, um, reluctant to tie their own name to an online handle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's a lot of that still going on today. Um, the anti-hacker movement, he said, was a big problem, uh, which was the whole idea of uh, the hacker in the sense of programmer, not in the sense of phone freaker or or a malicious hacker. Right. He says that that whole, uh, the, t- turning the word hacker into something bad was part of what was killing BBSs. Uh, they said that the press's ignorance of the BBS community was a problem. Sysop ignorance, which he he said that because it became so easy to host a BBS, people who had no business hosting them were doing so, and that was killing the BBSs. Mm-hmm. You could argue the same thing for web pages today. I would assume, like web administrators, would probably say the same sort of thing. People who run really good websites might really complain about folks who don't run such great websites. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, it's just interesting to see that these complaints came out as early as 82. And, and his his text file is much longer than what I've indicated. But um, BBS has, of course, kept on going throughout the 80s and into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've said, they're still out there today. It's just they're nowhere near as prevalent as they used to be. Right. Now, uh, true BBS is not on the Internet. No. It's not, you know, there, there, are th- there are approximations. I mean, you could think about this. The, uh, the Internet is basically a, a gigantic form of this. But yeah. Because there are all kinds of message boards that you can post to and places to upload and download files from and, and online communities. But, uh, you know, a BBS itself is a very limited uh, world, if you yeah. will, if you'll accept that as a term there. And, um, yeah, I, I think that for for the poster of that post um it's obviously something it was obviously something very special he liked that community uh and that particular environment and the more people it's like you you have your uh your band your favorite indie band 
And then they finally get you complain that nobody ever likes them. And then everyone and then likes they, them and they totally sold out. Exactly. I know Super Chunk was on NPR. What is up with that? Seriously. Dude, I saw Super Chunk in nineteen nine Okay, I'm getting a little ahead of my yeah, head. Yeah. I'm getting off topic. Anyhow, but yeah, yeah it, it's it was it was that kind of uh loyalty and interest in the BBS world that uh I think inspired that and I mean causes a lot of people now to, to think back on it. Uh, favorably. In fact, um, you know, Jason Scott, uh, did you see this? The uh, BBS documentary no. called oh, I, I BBS, saw, the documentary. Yeah, I saw that it was, um, I saw the website for it. I, yes. I, I, of course, don't have access to the documentary, so I didn't get to watch it. Yeah, they, they uh, uh, I think, get into much more granular detail on BBSs and, and yeah, the whole culture like, behind it. There's like it. eight different episodes, right? Yeah, Something it's like on that. several it's DVDs. It's a miniseries. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure it would be fascinating. I just didn't have time to check it out before. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's there's a lot to it. But um, yeah. those are those are the basics. Yeah, uh, um, and and some of the people who are really doing important work in technology today were big into BBSs back mm-hmm, in the '80s. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, well, I mean, there's the Woz. Yes, mm-hmm. Wozniak. He, uh, Steve Wozniak. He, one of the founders of Apple. He was uh, a big proponent of BBSs back in the day, and of course, he even used it to help people figure out how to phone freak. Yes. You may remember our phone freaking episode from several months back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, there was a guy who wrote a, a document on BBSs that got spread around quite a bit. The document called The Bill of Rights Light, L-I-T-E, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a rephrased Bill of Rights that were... It was designed to kind of point out the issues that were surrounding um, computer uh technology mm-hmm. and how that relates to constitutional rights and how it's a complicated issue kind of really looking ahead to see how the digital age is conflicting with basic rights and and like how does it fit and where does it not fit and where do we need to tweak it so that it works properly uh, it was written by a guy named John Perry Barlow mm-hmm. uh Barlow is one of the founders of the Electronic Freedom Foundation. Ah, the EFF. Yes. So the EFF continues today to try and and shape public policy so that internet freedoms, things like net neutrality remain uh untouched. Right. They they advocate for uh for net neutrality among other policies. Mm-hmm. So uh some people who are really, you know, Movers and shakers in the technology world were big into BBSs back in the day. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true, and um, you know, and and other people knew it too as well because uh, the government, the the federal government in the United States, had uh, its eye on BBSs and were, were watching to see who was on the different uh, uh, bulletin boards. I know that uh, Steve Jackson Games, which is an office favorite among uh, some gamers here at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, their offices were raided because they were hosting a BBS, and the Secret Service thought there was some uh, illicit material on there about uh, hacking and computer networks. As it turns out, there wasn't. Uh, yeah, but but, but uh, BBSs did provide by association. Yeah, BBSs did provide some people the uh, ability to to either share tips on how to pirate software, or mm-hmm. actually would include pirated software as a download. Um, there were hacker-specific BBSs. 
uh, in fact, a lot of the early ones were hacker specific. Where mm-hmm. we're not just not just hackers as in programmers, but hackers as in the people who enjoy breaking into uh, systems, learning how they work, and then exploiting them. Yes. So uh, yeah, you pir- should write an article about them. Yeah, I should. Hey, wait a minute. Anyway, uh, yeah, there there were there were some kind of shady BBSs out there, and, yeah. and uh, even some of the general purpose BBSs had some material on it that probably wasn't. Uh, Appropriate for all eyes. Right. I can actually, I won't say maybe. It definitely. I was a kid and I was on those BBSs and I know that there was material. A lot of them actually had um, had ways of... of uh, Making uh, you talk? No. They had ways to to guard against that. You had to yeah. use a, a like a credit card to um, access certain parts of the BBS. And it wasn't necessarily that they would charge you, but they wanted the credit card to... to- to prove that you're an adult. Right. If you're old enough to have a credit card, then, then you're old enough to get yeah. access to this material. And, uh, and, you know, some of them followed that and some didn't. And yes, you can build your own BBS even to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can either use a dial-up modem and have people call in physically to that machine and, and uh, explore your BBS. Or you can use a Telnet client and have people Telnet yes. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... Uh, you know the era of the BBS is is I mean there's still a few out there that are still that still have their diehard uh, fans who who contribute and are um, big into that community. Mm-hmm. But the internet has really um, appropriated a lot of that. Yeah, it's kind of ironic too in a way that uh, as, as popular as electronic communication is now, the BBS surged in popularity and has now receded to the point where people like the one you quoted a few minutes ago are probably happy again because just the you know they're still back to the original little communities of people little pockets of people yeah maybe um so. yeah cuz i i often will think of a bbs as if you it's sort of similar to what would happen if you grabbed a web server and then you severed its connection to the rest of the internet yeah so that you could connect directly to that web server but you could not connect to any other web page yeah. like you couldn't go outside the boundaries of that server yep so, same similar kind of thing except again we're talking about you know text based stuff Right. And, and interesting ASCII art. Mm. Okay, well, that wraps up this discussion on bulletin board systems, BBSs. I hope you enjoyed it. This little walk down internet memory lane or network memory lane, or mm-hmm. body memory lane, <laughs> to bring back that joke. If you have any topics you would specifically like us to cover, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, or you can shoot us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. 
Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.